0: We are anxiously awaiting the now-delayed Epstein pedo document dump, and it's been all but confirmed that old Billy Clinton made the list and made it around 50 times. So I think it's safe to assume that Hillary Clinton is not happy. Not because her husband is a flandering creep, she knows that, but because now she has to make another pit stop on her delusional comeback tour to get Bill's berries back in the basket. The devil works hard, but Hillary Clinton, she works harder. But even after these names are finally released, if they ever are, don't expect much to happen because pedos and predators protect each other, and sadly, that's not expected to change anytime soon. But speaking of desperately needed change, we are just 13 days away from the Iowa Republican presidential caucuses and 20 days away from the New Hampshire primary, and I think I speak for all of us when I say, if I see one more corny Nikki Haley Governor Sununu photo, I'm going to be physically ill. And I have a feeling Vivek Ramaswamy feels the same way, and he joins me in just a minute. But first, get your drama mean ready, because I'm about to play a clip of Nikki Haley. I mean, look, he knows how to do it. He's the coolest governor in the country for a reason. People love him and trust him because he gets it. He gets the fact that you got to touch those voters. you got to talk to them. you got to make sure that they get all their questions answered. He's going to help me do that. Question, is there anything more annoying than Nikki Haley? Answer, no. Here's another one. Is there anything more cringeworthy than New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu incessantly tweeting out these photos of her along with the reasons he supports her? Answer. Also no. I mean, my God, are these endorsements or reject photos from an L.L. Bean outlet catalog? Hard to tell. Hard to tell, but Sununu looks at Nikki the way Nikki looks at all the regions of the world she'd like to bomb. It's a weird twinkling glow, and it really gives me the creeps. But despite the fact that Nikki Haley is the bud light of the Republican primary pool, she is creeping up the polls, well, in New Hampshire at least. It's the curious case of Nikki Haley, and I want to get to the bottom of it. So who better to do that with than the man, the candidate, the Rhino Slayer himself, 2024 presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek, before I get into Nikki Haley, which I know is also a favorite topic of yours, I want to dive into this CNN debate controversy. It's the pin tweet on your Twitter slash X profile. You went on a bit of a rant yesterday about your exclusion from the upcoming CNN debate. I think I already know the answer to this, but why does CNN hate you?
1: Because I say the things that you're not supposed to say to CNN viewership. The funny, this actually dated back to last month when they did hold a back-to-back town halls in Iowa one night with Ron DeSantis and another night with me, their problem was mine actually went really well with the audience, but especially when I started sharing some hard truths about what really happened on January 6th and about what I would do, just to say pardon those peaceful protesters on that day. They lost their minds, Tommy. So they cut off the town hall early, bring in their expert pundits to excoriate everything I had said, apparently aghast that their own viewers had a chance to listen to what I actually had to say to them, The audience was applauding. I think even though it was a CNN compiled audience, I think that surprised them because it was Iowa caucus goers. And so then they call us the next day. We posted on our YouTube and on my YouTube got about 200,000 views or so in a matter of hours. They threatened us with a cease and desist unless we take that down. Even though Nikki Haley's identical CNN town hall has been up for months, as far as I know to this day, it still is, and called that out. Then later that day or the next day, they call and say, oh, certain of the polls, including one where I'm ahead of Nikki Haley in Iowa, morning consult, well-conducted, multiple polls used by the Republican National Committee for the RNC debates, used by the RNC for the first four debates, say that those won't be used for this cycle and this time around with CNN. So they've made their game clear. So I said, I'm not playing this nonsense game. Tim Pool's doing a live show in Iowa with a live audience of Iowa voters in a town hall there. I'm going to do that at the same time that they're having this fake debate between basically two establishment approved candidates. But Nikki Haley in particular, being the favorite puppet of the establishment right now, they're doing everything they can to prop her up. And I refuse to play the games. And you got a guy like Van Jones saying that he's shaking, calling me the rise of an American demagogue. And I just think at a certain point, you have to understand that these people are hostile to not only our agenda, but our vision for our country. And they will stop at nothing. I mean, CNN is a speck compared to the broader forces that are at work here, which we can talk about. But I think it's an example of the broader forces that are at work to shape this election in a manner that runs contrary to where most Americans actually are.
0: Why are they so nervous when you talk about January 6th? Because that date is rapidly approaching, and we know that I classify that as liberal Christmas because they love to talk about January 6th. But when someone like yourself talks about January 6th, when there's any truth revealed or there's any discrepancies or any questioning, any skepticism, they want to shut down that conversation and they want to shut it down really quickly, but yet they want to kick Trump off of ballots because of January 6th. What is it that they're so afraid that you're going to say about it?
1: First is the call for transparency. I mean, we know the government hasn't released all the information they have. Just tell us the truth. That's actually just my basic premise. Let's start with that. I'm not some elaborate theorist of some sort of far spun conspiracy. I just respond to the facts as they exist. They released a small sliver of footage. Only a couple of years later do you then see Capitol police officers welcoming, allowing protesters in, even those who were then later arrested for perfectly peaceful behavior on the house of the people in the Capitol. You have actually now footage of rubber bullets and other things being fired into what was a mostly peaceful crowd, but then release the selectively edited video footage of the people's response to that. Yet to say a dime or an iota about how many federal agents and or how many federal informants were in the field that day. My view is just tell us the truth. If this has been the basis for one of the largest manhunts in modern history and a violation of many of the constitutional due process rights in the name of fighting domestic terrorism, why not tell the people of this country the truth about what actually happened? I think part of the reason they're terrified, I think there's a lot of reasons, Tommy, but part of the reason is this is part of a pattern that dates back for a really long time, at least as long as I've been an adult, at least for my entire adult life, for the entirety of the 21st century of a government and an establishment that goes along with the government, a state media that we don't call it a state media, behaves like one, that fundamentally has lied to the people about everything from the origin of COVID-19, where if you said it began in a lab in China, you would have been canceled, you would have been, had your social media accounts silenced, you would have been called a liar or a racist, a xenophobe. Now we know it to be true. The Hunter Biden laptop story on the eve of the last election, systematically suppressed, actually changed the outcome of the election. I think the polling data is crystal clear on that. To the reality of how our own money is being spent in Ukraine, to the truth of what happened on January 6th, to the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that we now know never was, but stopped Trump from being able to effectively govern for his first two years in office. That's what this is really about. And so I think that can we actually demand that they tell us the truth? Yes, we can, but they don't like being exposed for it. And I think I, more than anybody else in this race, have exposed the media's actual lies. The media's game is, lie, 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 when exposed, sweep it under the rug, pretend it didn't happen, only to continue lying about a new subject. And so the fact that I've exposed that, I think makes a lot of them very uncomfortable, and they're trying their darndest to make sure that I'm not in this race. I'm not going to let them get away with that. And I think that there are, let's just say, I think that there's a broader... I wouldn't call it a conspiracy theory or a plot. I would call it the amalgamation of shared incentives of a system Mm -hmm. that has decided they will not and do not want to let Donald Trump get anywhere near that White House by hell or high water, whatever it takes. They have found their own puppet to prop up, Nikki Haley, (laughs) want this to be a two-horse race and eliminate Trump, and I'm not going to let that happen.
0: Let's talk about something else that we'll probably never get to the bottom of, and that's the now-delayed Epstein document dump. Once again, another delay on this. I mean, I'll take things we knew were going to happen for 500, Alex. I think we all knew this was going to be delayed for one reason or another. Are we ever going to get the truth about that? And if we are beyond just the Bill Clinton, what do you think we would find in that document dump? And would anybody be held accountable for it?
1: Well, if I'm president, the answer is we're going to find out exactly what it is. We're going to publish it for the public and we're going to hold the people who are actual lawbreakers accountable. I think the reason you're not right now is you have some of the most powerful political donors, not just in this country, but around the world, who are likely to be on that list. Again, I'm not one to speculate about what I don't know, but what I do know is the government hasn't told us the truth. Why give us just these partial lists? Why give us partial information about what really did or didn't happen? Just the external video camera footage, but not the internal video camera footage about what actually happened with somebody who might have been in the building that day. Just tell us the truth. You have a government that has systematically lied to its people. You have a guy who said that he was not at risk of suicide and was worried that that was exactly how it was going to be labeled. You have his brother actually revealing new information as well. Tell us the truth. That's all we require. And we we know we have a government that's hidden that truth. Well, one of the things that's going to happen on my watch, and this isn't partisan, I think there'll be a lot of Republicans who are likely implicated as a result as well. I don't care. You don't have to pick your favorites in determining which kind of information you disclose. So my view is total transparency is the way to go. Release the full files, release what exactly is known, who's implicated, hold the lawbreakers accountable, whether it's the Epstein client files, whether it's the people who used our own taxpayer money to fund gain-of-function research abroad through the back door that couldn't be funded through the front door here in the U.S. under our laws. Tell us the truth, and if there are lawbreakers, hold them accountable, just as you would any ordinary lawbreaker. There shouldn't be these two tiers of justice as we have today.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if we're ever going to get truth and transparency. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. But speaking of these issues and getting to the bottom of them, um, let's talk about the ballot issues for Donald Trump. So some people have criticized yeah. you for just kind of carrying water for Donald Trump. You're in this race to shield Donald Trump because you talk a lot about Donald Trump. You vowed to take your name off the ballot in Maine and Colorado and any other states that ditch Trump on the ballot. Some would say that that doesn't help the Republican primary process whatsoever. If you drop out and DeSantis drops out and Nikki Haley drops out, then there's no one on the ballot. What do you do if that were to be the case? What do Republicans do? What does the RNC do? Where do we go from there?
1: So look, I think that one of the ways we can protect ourselves against this brazen form of election interference in the GOP primary is to say that if they're going to take Trump off the ballot in say Maine or any other state, that's fundamentally unfair. Look, it would be a lot easier for me to be the president if Trump weren't on the ballot. To be clear, if you look at Iowa and elsewhere, when you look at who's the second choice, by then I'm a runaway actually lead of it, the entire rest of the field. So it'd be a lot easier for me if Trump weren't in this race. But this shouldn't be about self-interest. This should be about what's right for the country. So yes, I said I would voluntarily remove myself from the ballot from Maine to Colorado to elsewhere. I don't want to win that way. None of us should want to. However, that only works if every other Republican is willing to do the same thing. Not a single one of the others, DeSantis to Haley to Christie, said they're willing to do it. To the contrary, they're focused, in their words, not mine, on collecting delegates. I think that's a problem. And I think that that reflects some level of complicity, even in the Republican establishment for what's going on. Now, what I think is actually at work here is I think you have a system that is determined by hell or high water. They're not going to let this man get anywhere near the White House. You saw it ratchet up over the course of the last year. You know, vile, or you'd sort of say vile commentary and public commentary ratcheting up to civil lawsuits then ratcheting up to state-level prosecution in New York, then federal prosecutions, then another federal prosecution, then non-prosecution, just taking them off the ballot outside the legal system. Once you resort to those extrajudicial tactics, it then opens the door for whatever's next in 2024. I just think these people are going to stop at nothing. And I think that that's what this has come to in this country. It gives me doubling down on my purpose for being in this race. I'm not I'm carrying water for the United States of America. That's who I'm carrying water for, is our country, our founding fathers. And I'm proud to, because that's what is our responsibility to stand for the legacy of our founding fathers. And so this is bigger than Trump. America First doesn't belong to Donald Trump or to me. It belongs to the people of this country. It didn't start in 2016. It started in 1776. And I think it's our obligation to our founding fathers to make sure this movement doesn't end with Donald Trump. I think they've got their plot laid out, a candidate that's gonna bring back Dick Cheney on steroids, that's (laughs) what the system is playing for. It's not what's gonna happen on my watch. And I think that that gives me an obligation in this country to see this through to the very end. And and I do think that, not in some cheesy politician way, but I think our best days can actually be ahead of us, Tommy, but it's not gonna happen automatically. And it's certainly not gonna happen if we fall for the trap that I think they've laid for us in 2024.
0: So speaking of our founding fathers and this country, and quite frankly, treason, last thing I want to ask you about is the illegal immigration invasion at our southern border, at our northern border. I mean, we're being invaded from all sides and ends. We know that the liberal mayors, they don't want these illegals in their cities. Uh, They're not asking for Biden to close the border. They're just asking for more money. So if you're president, what do you do to stop what I think is a festering wound?
1: Yeah, look, I think that if If you think about it this way, people are coming from Asian nations on the western border or from other countries on the eastern border. You call it what it is. It's an invasion of this country. It's no different if it's on the southern border or northern border either. That's how we need to see it. So in a nutshell, I think this is very practical. Stop giving money to Central America or Mexico and instead demand that each of those countries build border barriers across their own borders, all the way from Venezuela to the southern border of Texas. That stops the flow. Then not just complete the wall, build both walls, as I say, southern and northern, but I will, as commander in chief, move our own military to our own southern border and our northern border, too. That sends a different signal. It actually seals that southern border. Then the best border policies of all are eliminate the incentives to be here illegally. End federal funding for those sanctuary cities. Yeah, then they're going to be actually saying that, you know what, we're ending federal funding. We're going to be on your side demanding that we seal the borders. And then I go further than much of the Republican Party here, I think the rest, the entire rest of this race. End birthright citizenship for the kids of illegals. It doesn't apply to them. You don't need new laws. That's what the 14th Amendment actually already says. All we need is a president who swears an oath to the Constitution and actually understands what it says. Read the Section 1 of the 14th Amendment. It's crystal clear on that. And then I think we have to be clear, Tommy, if you're in this country illegally, we will return you to your country of origin. They said that's not possible because there's only 6,000 ICE agents versus millions of illegals. Here's the answer to that. It's a section in the law, I think it's 287G, that basically says ICE can actually delegate their local their law enforcement and warrant service capability to local law enforcement. Now you have a million people on the front lines. That gets this job done. The country that put a man on the moon can do it. It just takes a president with a spine. And I think it's going to take a president with two attributes, Tommy. Somebody, yes, who is an outsider, a businessman with sharp elbows who can break things. Trump brings that. He brought that. I bring that now. I think at a a bigger scale, if I may say so. But it's also going to take an outsider who knows and deeply understands the law and the constitution of this country. And those two things don't usually go together, right? You have the nerdy academic law type. You got the business guy. Those two things don't usually go together. That's what gives me my sense of purpose and sense of obligation and duty to this country, And I'm hopeful we're going to be able to see this through.
0: Well, I'm with you on your immigration plan. I will tell you that. And every time I watch you absolutely skewer Nikki Haley, I get a warm joy inside. So please never stop doing that. Thank you for all the time you spent with us today. Best of luck to you in Iowa. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Tommy. Talk to you.
0: All right, guys. Starting today, January 3rd, you can catch OutKick's original and fearless shows live on our website, outkick.com. Head to the watch tab so you don't miss a beat. All right. Harvard President Claudine Gay resigned from her post yesterday. And this, among other clues, leads me to optimistically proclaim that 2024 will be the year DEI meets its maker in hell and in the trash bin of history. It's time for Final Thoughts. Well, it took about a month, but Harvard's first black president, Claudine Gay, has finally stepped down after plagiarism allegations. Oh, and her inability to classify calling for the genocide of Jews as harassment and that at that infamous congressional hearing. But Claudine wants you to know she stands for free speech if free speech means calling for the genocide of Jews. Our university embraces a commitment to free expression. That commitment extends even to views that many of us find objectionable, even outrageous. We do not punish or sanction people for expressing such views, but that is a far cry for endorsing them. It's in the exercise of our freedom to speak that we reveal our characters and we reveal the character of our institution Claudine served as Harvard's president for six months and a couple of days, and that was likely six months and a couple of days too long. But her resignation is bigger than her and bigger than Harvard. It signals a much-needed end to something far worse, DEI, or Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Programs. Was Claudine Gay a Harvard DEI hire? Well, I don't know. But was she shielded from a firing, coddled, and protected, at least for a time, because of DEI? Well, likely so. DEI needs to die, and the good news is, well, it kind of is. These virtue-signaling programs have been all the rage since 2020, but according to job site Indeed, DEI programs were on the chopping block in 2023. Google and Meta both downsized their DEI programs in 2023, and DEI job postings as a whole have dropped 44%. So yes, that means we may finally be able to get back to ye old foregone tradition of hiring, firing, promoting, and praising people based on their merit— work ethic, and performance rather than where they rank on the woke oppression totem pole. What a concept. It's a concept even urban radio host Charlemagne the God has learned, as he is apparently having some buyer's remorse after vocally endorsing Kamala Harris in 2020. He told Politico he got burned by backing the Biden-Harris 2020 ticket and is disappointed in Kamala's disappearance given he voted for Biden because of Kamala. Charlemagne backed Kamala because he was, quote, just so tired of old white male leadership in politics. He thought Kamala was going to hold it down, and hold it down she did not. The only thing she's held down is approval and poll numbers, so perhaps voters as well as companies would do well to ditch DEI and put the quota system where it belongs, in the ground and or the dustbin of history. DEI can D-I-E. And those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.